Hello and welcome to She's Killing It, the serial entrepreneur's guide to building an empire. I'm Alicia Shoemaker. And I'm Deb Oliviera. And we're here to share our tips, tricks, and shortcuts to building a massive business. Between the two of us, we've built over a dozen businesses, many of them being six-figure businesses. And we can't wait to share our experience to help you launch and grow a massive empire. We want to be the ones that help you scale your business, automate it, grow your team, and build your empire. Let's get started. Okay, so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about business plans. But before we dive in, I want you to go on this little journey with me, and I want you to imagine okay, that you are going on vacation. We're going on a road trip. Yay, where are we going? Yay. You don't know. (laughs) There's no plan. Okay. We don't know where we're going. We don't know how to get there since we don't know where we're going. We have no map. We have no reservations. Once we get there, like, does this sound like, this sounds like hell. Oh, and your car's empty. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So you have no tool. Worst vacation. Possible. No tools in the car to help you with whatever. You don't even have gas. You don't even have gas. Okay. (laughs) No, I'm not going. I'm not even getting it. There's no plan. Okay. I'm not doing this. Do do you get where I'm going with this? I do. I do. Okay. Does this sound like this is setting you up for success when you plan on going on this trip, yet you have nothing planned? This sounds like you are not going to get anywhere. Like you're not even going to get to the end of your driveway. Exactly. Which is why most businesses fail within the first five years. There's no plan. Yeah. Flying by the city of your pants can be fun and exciting, but as far as setting you up for success and for really having a, a true destination in mind, I mean, really that's what a business plan is. It's the design of your business in every aspect. You cannot expect to have a successful business if you actually have no idea what you're building and what your gaps are. And the framework for a business plan literally walks you through all the pieces and things to consider when starting a business. Absolutely. And business plans have changed throughout the years. It's no longer, I I like to say, because I think I'm funny, (laughs) it's no longer your grandpa's business plan. Like it's changed. Well, and the things that are required to think about and the things that make a business successful, realistically, business has changed in the last 10 years. And so our way of mapping a successful business as part of a business plan has changed. I have a question for you. All right. How many business plans do you write for each business? Multiple. Yes. Oh, thank God. Somebody else who understands (laughs) me. So there's like different business plans that you need for different things. If I'm doing, for example, a pitch competition for funding for a business, that's going to be a different business plan than the one I'm going to have that I run myself. Yeah. And it's going to be a different business plan than the one I give to the bank if I'm looking for a loan. Absolutely. And then having variations of them. I mean, I I like to create a master and then you take bits and pieces of each to design each of those pieces, but you have one huge one. And sometimes it does feel overwhelming when you look at that whole master business plan design and go, there's so many questions. There's so many gaps. So you and I are, I mean, with all of these businesses that we've built, 
how do you take it one step at a time? Like, what is the first step for you in starting to write a business plan? Having a template. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like having a template makes it so much easier. So when I first started doing business plans, and I have to be honest, that was one thing that I didn't do at the beginning. I didn't even know what a business plan okay, was. Okay, at 17, who knew what a business plan was? <laughs> no, I, I started my first business at 17. I didn't know what a business plan was. <laughs> That's why we have mentors that tell us the things that we need to know. So business plans don't have to be huge and scary, right? They don't have to be overwhelming. So I actually created within my business a business plan that completely simplifies it, which is... I love it. Yeah. It's very much like, here is what my service is. Here's who I serve. Here is how we make money. You know, super simple. Yeah. So that's where I start is with a template. I love it. And then do you blow that template out? I mean, it's like you said, it's got a kind of a simplified template. Then you add more detail as you start to build your plan and as you start to do your research and start to put things into place, right? It's not just a one-time build. No, it grows. So I would say you initially write out the business plan and fill in the blanks, you know, for the knowledge that you have at that point. Yeah. And keep working on it. Keep adding to it as you're learning this information. And when I'm saying that, keep going back to it, I'm not talking that it's going to take you a year to fill this thing out. Right. You know, I'm talking over the next like week or so mm -hmm. that you are pulling this information together to put on your business plan, but it is going to continue changing because this is a living document. And as your business changes, sometimes your business plan is going to change too. And especially early on, one of the things I love about your template and all of these business templates that are out there, because there really are hundreds. I mean, I'm biased. I think yours is amazing. But what I love about them is it helps to trigger things that you didn't think about yet. So it could be in how you make money. What is What does the pricing look like? What does the model look like? What does do we have adjacent spaces? If you have a physical product, what kind of manufacturing needs are there? What marketing gaps are there? These are all questions that really no one thinks of because they're coming up with their idea, but all of these trigger new gaps. And it gives you a chance to then go either do your research or to work alongside an expert. And I feel like that's one of the, the best parts of having a strong entrepreneur community that you work and play in is one, being able to bounce the idea off of somebody or go, hey, how would you do this? Or do you know anything about this? And having strong relationships with people who might be considered, by traditional sense, competition. Yeah. Um, mostly because I don't believe in competition in the old school, the thing to grandpa's business competition, yeah. right? <laughs> but being able to kind of bounce ideas off of somebody and say, hey, I can't figure out how to make this piece work. That's where mentors come in. Even things like the SBA and their yeah. website and all of those resources that exist out there for entrepreneurs and building a plan. And it helps to fill in those little tiny gaps that you just hadn't occurred to you to think about yet. And since we don't have our grandfather's business, yep. we now have the wonderful world of the internet. Oh, thank that goodness. I, I do have friends in industry, mainly other photographers, mm -hmm. that are in different states. And I love talking to them about business 
We're not in competition because we don't believe in competition. We are community over competition. Always, always community over competition. But definitely, you know, if they are in a different state, no matter what, we're not competition. And so we can sit and talk openly through Zoom Mm -hmm. on different aspects of our business. And it's really nice to be able to get a different perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And that really helps when building this business plan. It's to talk to others in the industry. Absolutely. How do you feel about sharing your business plan? So you kind of have this template, right? You've built it. It's gotten most of the questions. You've spent that week on it. Who do you show it to first? This is like the most terrifying step for me in starting any business is showing somebody like the plan because part of me is terrified somebody's going to look at it and go, this is ridiculous. I have no idea what you're thinking. I don't get it. (laughs) The other part of me is somebody's going to look at it and go, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And I can't wait for you to launch it. And then all of a sudden I'm terrified because the next step has to come. You know what I mean? I feel like it's the same feeling of showing your business plan to someone as it would be sharing your finances, like showing them your finances where it's like, oh, I don't want you to see. Don't judge me. Yeah. (laughs) Don't judge me. Yes, I went to Starbucks eight times this week. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Only eight? Only. (laughs) But having that mentor, someone who is farther along in business than you, and it does not need to be someone in your same industry. Someone who just knows solid business is a really good one to go to and say, hey, do you mind looking over my business plan and seeing where there may be holes that I'm too close to it to see. That's a really important point that I feel like we don't really talk about is the idea of being too close. And it's one of the reasons why I think business plans make us so successful is because we're so attached to the plan, even with doing our research, even with understanding our target, which we talked about in the last episode. But it's that if we're too close, we can't poke holes in it. We're poking holes in our own idea feels really painful. But having somebody point out like, hey, I I see this here, or there's an opportunity here, or have you considered, or I don't quite understand this piece, or why would you do it this way instead of this way? Obviously, somebody who can do that kindly is really important, and that's where having a great mentor relationship comes into play. But I think we kind of internalize our ideas so much that it's really hard for us to find the hole because we love our ideas that much, especially at this point. So let me ask you, how do you find that mentor to show them the business plan? I feel like a mentor is somebody, at least in to me, is somebody that I built a relationship with for a while. And that's where building your community and having and being surrounding yourself with other entrepreneurs is really powerful, even before you're to that I'm ready to launch a business stage or I'm ready to do this stage. Because I feel like part of that safety and that ability to be vulnerable has to do with feeling comfortable with that person and having already built relationships. So the first time we met, I probably would not have dropped a business plan in your lap and said, hey, would you read this? We weren't there yet in our relationship. No. Finding them, I think it just means having to take a risk. And going to the person who you are, you idolize or who you kind of look up to or who feels like an expert in the realm of where you want to be. So in my case, you were one of those people 
that I we were doing incredible things in the community. You were obviously an advocate for women in business. To me, you were the person that I needed to connect with and I needed to build a relationship with because you had the energy and the excitement and the experience that felt like it was my next step and my next progression in my business world. Yeah. And sometimes it's a relationship with another coach or you know, somebody I'm paying as a coach or somebody who's in an adjacent space. I think there's something to be said for just following energy and following somebody who excites you. Or maybe when you leave, you just feel like everything is coming up your way when you walk out of coffee with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And then also being okay if the person who you reached out to says no. Because sometimes that means that maybe they just, they don't have the capacity Mm. to mentor at this point, or maybe it just means that the universe is telling you they are not the one, (laughs) like that there is a different mentor out there for you. Yeah. And being able to respect that no, or understand or ask, can I ask why no? Yes. I think being able to ask that one has to do with having a stronger relationship and being comfortable asking, but Maybe it is. I'm just not in a position to support somebody else right now, or I'm drowning in my own work and I can't, or you know what? I just, this isn't something I want to do right now. And then being able to respect that and then know it's a capacity issue right now, or it's, you know what? Maybe this isn't the fit that I thought it was going to be. I think asking those questions to understand how your mentor views your relationship is really important. Absolutely. So what are some things that you believe should be in a business plan? Oh, so number one to me is you have to, part of it is tell the story. What's the story behind the product? Who's it for? And what does it deliver? On physical attributes and the emotional attributes, like we talked about in the last episode with Target. So that's to me the number one priority. What's the actual thing you sell? what is and who's it for and what do you know about the person it's for? Yeah. What about you? Something that I added, you know, after the pandemic of 2020 Mm -hmm. to my business plan is a recession-proof plan. Oh, I love it. What is it? Talk to me about what's in that. So I do have a whole lesson on with that purpose of society on how to recession-proof your business. And that was kind of a, how to COVID proof your business during the pandemic. So kind of some things that are in that is getting down to the bare minimal in your business. Mm -hmm. So going through every single charge that is going on and getting rid of any of the subscriptions that you kind of forgot about paying off credit cards, getting rid of those, like kind of making a plan for that. I think there's other pieces in there as well about how do you deliver when you can't physically be in person? So how can you deliver your product when you can't, when somebody can't shop in a, in your store? Or how do you create a digital plan to stay connected with people on more than one platform? You cannot just live on Facebook or you cannot just live on Instagram, right? There has to be additional ways, one for lending credibility, but also for other ways to connect in a place where your target is actually already existing. So what other things are in this magical, not your grandfather's business, business plan template? (laughs) I think I'm going to have to rename the business (laughs) template. Right? So some things now in this digital age that 
should be included in this not your grandpa's <laughs> business plan is how are we going to connect with our audience, with our clientele, with our customers? You know, what platforms are we going to be on? How are we reaching them? Another one is projections. Yes. Especially when you're looking for some kind of financial support, whether it's loans or independent financers or even things like, you know, getting a credit card for a business. All of these projections are going to be really important to convince them to give you money. And projections is just a really nice way of saying, we're going to guess a little, but we're going to guess with a whole lot of logic. So setting your pricing, how many do you think you'll sell the first month? What's a reasonable growth rate based on what other things are going on in the industry? And this is where a lot of that research comes in. Your bank is really going to care about this more than they're going to care about, are you going to be on Instagram or are you going to be on TikTok? Absolutely. If you're making a business plan for your bank to get a loan, Mm -hmm. that's what they want to see. They want to see your numbers, the projections. And yes, this is a little bit of a guesswork if you are just starting out because you can't show them solid. Here is the patterns that have already happened. They want to know that you have a plan in place to reach those projections. Exactly. And I feel like, especially in the last few that I have built with the expectation of going to a bank for financing, it's not even so much that they question what the numbers are, but they question how I got to the numbers. So noting how you're building this, I build usually my projections in Excel, but I include why my numbers are changing month to month. I expect a 5% growth rate because of these factors. I expect after the first year, I'm going to expand into a new demographic or into a new market. And so therefore, it's going to bump this up. And then that area is going to grow by this expected growth rate. Showing how you got to your numbers is more important than what your numbers are. Because what they're checking is, are you actually thinking about growth versus how long is it going to take to get to a million dollars? They care that you are going to, one, be able to pay back the money they're loaning at some point within a reasonable amount of time, however long the loan is expected to last, but also that you're thinking through how something has to grow in order to get there. And in my experience, they also want to know, what is this money being used for? Yes. Like, awesome for you to say, it's helped me to grow my business. Okay, well, when I, in my experience, when I have gone to the bank and asked them for a loan, they want to know, what am I doing with it? Like, they want to know an estimated dollar amount per category that totals up to, you know, 10, 20 grand. And exactly where it's going to be used. And sometimes, especially with a younger, newer business, they want to know even which vendor it's going to go to. So if you say are building a physical location, they want to see estimates for the work to be completed on that space. This is not a plan that's going to happen overnight. No. Especially if you're applying for a loan with a bank. Yes. It takes a while. It can. And then it will take probably about a month to get through the whole banking process where they're asking follow-up questions. It's never a bad thing if you're a banker or if the Small Business Administration or if your potential private lenders come back to you with questions. It's actually, in my opinion, it's kind of a high compliment because it means they're digging in deep to your plan. They didn't look at it and go, nope, throwing that one away. They're digging into why should I continue? There's gaps that I need to understand before I can believe that you're ready for my money. 
So questions are always a good thing. As hard as it can be to feel like somebody's poking holes in your logic, being able to justify it and then being able to answer the questions confidently is going to make all the difference in making the next step of being able to get an investment. And it's okay if your bank tells you not yet. Uh, And it's, we always have this perception that it's no, but I love that you just said not yet. Tell me about not yet. So in my experience, even though I had a business that I, I've had it for 13 years, that wasn't the business I was asking a loan for. The business I was going to the bank and asking for the loan was brand new. And within that entity, they don't really care that I've owned other businesses for, you know, max of 13 years. What they care about is the fact that that business is less than a year old. So they came back to me and they said, not yet that we believe that you're going to get there, but we cannot loan you this money yet. And then, you know, they gave me ideas on how to get my business prepared for them to say, yes, they gave me a year. They said, come back to us in one year and then we'll try again. And that's how I feel like we also know that you have a great relationship with the people that you are working with, with the bank or the organization that you're working with. Somebody who will not only maybe tell you no or not yet, but will give you the tools and resources to come back to them and be successful. That is the sign of a good, strong relationship versus a big red denied stamp and have a nice day. Oh, no. (laughs) At that point, at that point, you need to find another relationship within the business community for whatever that person is, is offering. You need to like really feel it out and like trust your gut. Okay. So you mentioned that you've had a business, you have businesses that are years old. Do you ever stop looking at or refreshing your business plan? No. So right answer. Tell us why. <laughs> I I actually have multiple business plans for each business and this can be a little bit overkill, okay? I have one that is like long-term projection where I want to go like high of the high, okay? This is the mega business plan. This is what I want to be when I grow up plan. Exactly. Yes. And it's the big one. It's the big guy. Okay. And then I also have my five-year plan. I have my three-year plan. I have a one-year. And then I have six months. I love it. So I'm always refreshing them. So I know within those six months what I need to get done to reach that year. Mm-hmm. And I know within that year what I need to do to hit that three-year one. I know each little milestone that I need to get to. And I have to be honest, sometimes that five-year plan happens in two. <laughs> like, And I feel like grows. that's partially just really, really good planning. By looking at the bigger picture, by looking at where do I want to be in 10 years, and then what steps do I have to take to get there, that is what makes things grow so much faster because you know the next milestone. You don't have to think about, okay, I just took the step and now I'm successful. And what's the next step? You already know the next 10 steps. You're just maybe pacing them faster than you had originally planned, which leads to yeah. faster growth, stronger businesses, and really putting you in a position to be able to automate things faster because you know what steps have to be taken further on down the road and you can start preparing for things to be automated or outsourced or hiring a team before it's really there. And ultimately you have to know that big picture. You have to have the mega plan and put in the work 
in order to have these like shorter term goals to reach that bigger plan. Because if you take the entire cake, you cannot eat that entire cake in the one bite. Like it has to be, you know, one little bite at a time. I don't know. I've, I've really enjoyed certain cakes, but I do understand the (laughs) double chocolate fudge cake. Oh yes. That's it. Those are really big bites. (laughs) I mean, I feel the same way. We, I don't always call them business plans, but we do strategic reviews every six months. At the end of every year, I look at what we've done to date, what things we want to do. And then I also use that as an opportunity to look back and go, is this still serving me as a person and serving me as where I want to grow? So sometimes, and it has happened where I write this five or 10 year plan or this mega plan, and I look back after a year or after COVID or after a major life change and go, you know what? I don't think I want that anymore. I don't think that's my mega plan anymore. But by having something to react to and something to look back on, I can go, okay, this doesn't feed me anymore. There's pieces that I still love. So I'm going to keep the steps to those pieces, but I'm going to drop the others and I'm going to look at what other things I want to add to this plan, to this life. There's something to be said for building a business plan for the life you want to live especially as a multipreneur and having multiple businesses, sometimes we're building a business plan for ourselves as a human versus just the business that we're trying to build. Yeah. And there's a lot of juggling between us as parents and us as significant others and, and us as, I don't know, women wanting vacations or wanting to have girls night or wanting to have empires. You know, it doesn't just happen by accident and happens by planning. But your business plan definitely, it is your lifeline. It is your roadmap because every decision that you make in your business needs to align with the overall idea because you can't be saying yes to all these things that are not going to get you closer to that mega plan. Yes. There is, what is the the phrase that you, you shared with me a couple weeks ago about, um, saying yes. Yeah. Saying yes to something. Means that you're saying no to something else. And especially as I feel like this is really prominent with women and really common with women entrepreneurs is we want to say yes to every single opportunity because what if it doesn't come up again? Or what if I miss out? Or what if I'm not included? And by us saying yes to something, it means that you're taking capacity and energy and attention away from other things. If it does not, if that yes does not feed the grand plan, Mm -hmm. then it means that you're saying no to something that does because you don't have that capacity by doing the other thing. And so I'm going to simplify that even more just to give an example. Yeah. That that means that if I, for example, okay, family photographer. Yep. If I take on a job that is low pay that is under the amount that I know that I should be working per hour. That means that I am taking that little bit of energy and that time and the resources to work on this job that doesn't serve me, doesn't serve the big picture. I'm going to use that when I should have said no to it Mm. to give me the time and the space and the resources to say yes to something that does serve me. Or spend the time that you would be doing that to prepare yourself to then find that next right yes. I yeah. mean, we, wait it out. It is. And it's some, gonna come. And sometimes it means that 
you're going to say no. And that time is going to feel like it's not replaced or not filled with the right client or the right project. But you're actually giving yourself space to prepare for that. So instead of spending that time with a client that's underpaying, that maybe has higher demands, that just isn't quite feeding the, the big vision, you spend that time, that hour, that three hours, whatever you would spend with that client, building a plan to then attract your ideal client. It's not always trading money for time. Sometimes you have to say no to money to have time. So I once got the example from a mentor that was, you know, dealing with meetings. And he's like, I have meetings that cancel on me all the time. Just, you know what, life comes up. He's like, you know what I do instead of, you know, taking that hour that I would have had that meeting? He's like, instead, I'm reading a book that is going to expand my knowledge on my business. Oh, that's brilliant. Instead, I'm going to call up my mentor and I'm going to talk to that mentor for the next hour. I'm going to still use that time to build my business and build myself as a person instead of being like, eh, now I'm going to go watch Netflix for the next hour. <laughs> like, I don't know. Bridgerton has yet to bring me any business. I'm just saying. And it's <laughs> wonderful. but <laughs> And there is a time and a place because I never want to say that it's never okay to sit down and watch a TV show because there's so many high earners that tell you that they're like, there's never a time and a place that it's okay to sit down for an hour watching TV. If that hour serves you, it is okay. And I'm going to give you that permission here to say it's okay. Please go watch the show (laughs) just to give yourself, even if it's just that mental break that you needed. Exactly. Just know when it becomes too much. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Maybe binging all of the season for like the next 10 hours might be a little much. Yes. But an hour to just relax. Maybe I love this whole conversation we are having about the business plan. The one thing I feel like we've touched on, but we haven't really dug into is these versions. So we have a version for the bank, right? That has the, that's really heavy on projections. Who else should have a version? We have the master plan version, the big, the super plan. So is there any other versions that somebody should think about having a variation of their business plan for? If you're going to be applying for any grants or like pitch competitions, you will need a different type of plan with them. So personally, I coach for Michigan Women Forward and they have a pitch competition. I believe that they're national Michigan Women Forward is. They have a pitch competition. Mm -hmm. It's about 10 grand, I think, for their competition. Theirs is very heavy on knowing how to get from A to B. That's what they want to know. Yeah. They um, want to see that you have a path, a very clear path. Exactly. Yeah. So theirs is not so much heavy on the projection numbers like your bank is going to want to see. Theirs instead is knowing the steps going from A to B. I also think if you have plans to um, to outsource anything early on, having a version for who that who that outsource is is really helpful. So for instance, if you are bringing in a marketing agency early on because you don't necessarily want to manage your own marketing. Having a version that's focused very heavily on what places you plan to play in, what development pieces have to be there, the target and the emotional side of things that they can then they can then capitalize on. 
it speeds up the onboarding. It speeds up the work that you have to do early on, but it also gives them a good lay of the land for them to be able to help support you in putting together a strategy for rolling out your pieces. If you are bringing in a financial advisor, if you're planning on bringing in a partner, having something for them to react to is really important, but their variation of the grant plan might be more simplified depending on what you're expecting that partner or that employee to do. The next plan that you might want to have readily available, and this is a decision you'll have to make ahead of time, or not really ahead of time, but something that you want to ask yourself. Do you want to go with an investor? Do you want to approach an investor and tell them, I think you should invest in my business? So they're going to want to see basically all the versions Mm -hmm. wrapped up into one. And that's where having that master where you can say, are there additional questions? And then being able to pull up your master plan and say, yes, we've already thought this through X, Y, and Z. I found with personal or smaller financers, the ones who, you know, maybe doing five, 10, 12, $15,000 investments, relatively small investments. The things that are more looking for are your skill set as a business owner. So even having team bios and having your experience, almost your resume. I know even when we've gone to the bank, they've wanted to see as leaders in the business, what my resume looks like. Should they trust me to lead and take this business plan and actually make it happen based on my experience? A lot of times those personal financial investors are looking for your competencies as much as they're looking at, is the business plan viable? Well, now that we have a solid grasp on business plans. Yep. And we put it in front of the people who need to see it. Now I think we need to discuss launching. Ah, it's time. (laughs) Like you've done the work. Now it's time to launch. Now it's time to get to work and actually do the things you said you were going to do. Exactly. Let's go. All right. Next one. Thank you for listening to today's episode of She's Killing It. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you found something in particular that you loved about this episode, be sure to review it and share it with all of your female entrepreneur friends. We can't wait to chat with you next time.